All right. Two things are different on this week's episode. One, I'm recording an episode under the influence of Mary Jane. Who the fuck calls it that? For the first time ever when recording an episode. So let me know if you can tell a difference because one of the things I am most prideful of in my adult life is that none of my friends or family members can tell when I am inebriated. I think that that is a a great thing for me because then I can just feel free to live my life the way I would like to. If I would like to go to school high, no one will know. If I would like to have a conversation with my family high, no one will know. So if I've just been living in absolute delusion this whole time, and you guys can definitely tell I'm high right now, please tell me because that will change a lot of how I behave in my everyday life. The second thing that is different on this week's episode is I am actually physically recording my face talking. Um, I don't, I wasn't ever planning to do this. As of now, I don't have like um, the proper setup. Like I'm living at home with my family and there isn't like a good space that's not my bedroom to record this in, but I've decided to record me speaking just like from my computer so if you guys are interested in seeing those visuals like and seeing that on YouTube let me know because I do have the recording of me talking so let me know if that's something you guys would be interested in and if it is I can keep doing the recordings of my face I don't know what to call it video recordings (laughs) the recordings of my face um (laughs) Um, I can keep posting those. So hello, my little munchkins. Um, Hi, shalom, hola, guten tag. Welcome to another episode of Meet My Mess with moi, Carissa Harrison. Um... Today is going to be a fun episode. It's been a minute since I have recorded a solo episode. My last two episodes were with two lovely, 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 lovely guests, my two, two of my close friends. Um, I absolutely love those episodes. I've really found recording with other people super fun, but it is nice to get back to rambling on by myself because we all know how much I love to hear myself talk. Shit's about to get messy. Real messy. Oh, you want my number? Oh no, sorry, I'm gonna give it out to strangers. <laughs> yeah, but you can listen to my podcast though. Every time I hear this audio, I literally want to shoot my head out because I'm like, oh, fuck, is that really what my voice sounds like? Um, continuing, continuing on. Furthermore, let's update you on my week, on my life. So, first, 
a relationship update. So for the last couple episodes, I have been talking about the two men I have been kind of casually seen. Do not worry. I'm not about to tell you I have a boyfriend. Don't worry. Um, I am actually about to tell you the opposite, that those relationships have both fizzled out and I am back to my completely single self. Sorry, I thought someone was intruding into my house. I have these, like, whenever I hear a sound in my house, I'm like, oh, intruder. Um, But it's just my fat cat. Um, Yep, so I am completely single again, having no sex, back to my hand, my vibrator, my dildo. That's where we're back at again. Um, This is great news. I like it better this way. I know that sounds like I'm in denial, but I do. Um why you ask why do I like it better because I have more time for myself I don't really I get caught up with men sometimes and I don't really realize how much more fun I have on my own um it means that I'm more focused on my goals which at 21 I'm just in a place in my life right now where I'm just like really ready to work really hard so men are nothing but a distraction and an inconvenience to my building of my future self so we are back to square one I tried gave it a go here we are so why did they fizzle out do you say um no particular reason you know sometimes things just like kind of fizzle out and that is the best explanation I could give you I wish I had some elaborate, interesting story about why these things fizzled out. But part of it is also, I was kind of trying to convince myself that I was open to having a casual relationship. And it's not that I even want to be in a relationship, but I'm just at a point in my life now that... um, sex with zero emotions involved or zero emotional connection does nothing for me. The sex is usually awful. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to explain. I'm in a place that I am not rushing to get into a relationship, but I'm also not closed off to the idea. So, and those relationships, I just only saw them one going one way, and that was ending. And the sex wasn't even that good, so why am I wasting my time? I made them feel good, but I was never finishing myself, so why the fuck am I even there, you know? So, that is my relationship update. I have decided that I'm going to chill on... Um, me updating you every time I begin a new casual, serious relationship. Otherwise, well, obviously if I get into a serious relationship, I'll update you guys. I'll keep you guys in the loop, but I don't foresee that happening for a very long time just because I am so busy all the time with finishing college for one and also starting a brand new podcast that I'm really passionate about and I really do want this to be something I can continue doing for a long time so 
I am just really focused on that right now. Yeah. So I'll chill on updating you guys because I know it will get really confusing um, if I'm always just like, oh, this week I'm dating this person and this week I'm dating this person and this week I'm dating this person. Like, holy fuck, we can't keep up, you know? So, um, yeah. The next weekly update I have, wait, before I move on, I want to say, this <laughs> is just a stupid thing to go back for, but Yes, I am single. So if you're interested, slide into my DMs. Um, Yep. And that's all I wanted to retract for. Nothing important. Nothing that will really pertain to anyone. But just feel like I owe it to myself to throw it out there. Okay. Sorry, not this Wednesday. Last Wednesday an exact week from today, because yes, I'm recording this episode on Wednesday when it is releasing Thursday at exactly 11.46 a.m. That is the time right now. I'm going to be up all night editing, but I've been, I've had schoolwork up the wazoo. So last Wednesday, I was editing this last week's episode, episode four with my friend, Julia. Um, And all of a sudden, I just see a rush of probably like 15 cop cars, like 15 fire trucks, all like coming down my street. And I was like, oh, shit, like, what the fuck? Like, what's going on? Mind you, I live in Canada. If you don't know anything about Canada, um, crime and overt emergencies We deal with crime, but I would say mass emergencies aren't something that occur on a regular basis. So to to see this many like police cars and fire trucks going to one place, it had to be a pretty big deal, right? So all of these things rush in. I kind of like come out to my porch to like see what's going on. Everyone on my street is on their decks like, looking like what the fuck is going on like all these cops and fire trucks and I ask a neighbor and I say do you know what's happening and she says yeah there was a bomb threat at like the high school that I live across the street from that I've mentioned before really really bad idea I realize that I keep mentioning what I live across the street from because probably would not be that hard to find me but good thing I'm not famous hey um yeah so I asked the neighbor I was like what's going on bomb threat okay so I go inside and make my salad my falafel and I like I lay out beautiful day beautiful March day lay outside enjoy the sun taking in some vitamin d I think vitamin d is the sun the, the vitamin you get from the sun yeah, 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 yeah. Vitamin C is from oranges. Vitamin D is from sun. Because of sunny D. That's the only reason I know that. <laughs> okay, so I'm sitting outside and then... Um, yep, they close off the whole street. Um, one fire truck on one side closing the street off. One fire truck on the other side closing the street off. 
anyone who lived within this vicinity was not allowed to return to their home because obviously like it could have been like a bomber. So people were just getting so fucking pissed off. This one like young guy, it was his job to tell everyone like, no, you can't go home and all this stuff. He had like a bunch of dickhead teenagers yelling at him. Some Karen yelling at him. And then... Yeah, so that's happening. This took, this was about like three hours that this went on. I just like sat out with my lunch. It was the most entertaining part of my week. I don't, I'm not really going anywhere with this, but I know it may not sound like that big of a story to people, but for me, it was really, really, really shocking to um, hear a bomb threat in my vicinity. And like, it was really weird. They didn't evacuate any of us. They were just all like, oh, like, you guys would just get like the after spray of the bomb over here. So you guys can stay. It was weird. I'd be pissed off if I couldn't come home, but also like, what are you supposed to do? The reason I brought, okay, this is not the reason I brought it up. I thought it was an interesting story, but as I tell it, I realized mm, it might not be that interesting. But anyways, the fireman that was in charge of, um, telling everyone that they could not come back to their homes I am on a nationwide search for him. He had tattoos. I would say he was probably between 23 and 27. And his last name was, well, the name on his jacket was Greer. Hopefully I can't get sued for saying that out loud. But I am on a nationwide search for this man. And if he or anyone in my area knows um, someone with the last name Greer that is a fireman, please do not tell him I talked about him on my podcast, but politely slide into my DMs and tell me where I can find this man so I can put a blueprint plan together of how I am going to make him my future husband. And that's all. That's all I really have to say about that story. <sighs> I'm so happy to be back recording this by myself. I hope my friends don't get mad at me for saying that, but it's really just nice to talk about me and me only. I, okay, I've realized, I literally wrote in my notes last week, like stop making jokes about how much you love yourself. I just want to make a announcement quickly. Whenever I'm joking about how great I am, how good looking I am, how funny I am, how perfect I am. It's a joke. I'm actually probably meaning the opposite. But I understand for people who don't understand my personality that it would come off like I'm a cocky bitch and they might want to turn me off immediately because honestly, if I heard me talk like me, I would turn me off in five seconds. Um... Our messy moment for the week is anxiety. So anxiety disorder, I'm going to be talking about mental health. I'm going to be talking about my experiences with anxiety and the ways I coped. Um, We're going to talk about it all. And then I'm going to answer some listener questions. I might do some journal jumbles. We'll see like what the time looks like. But um, 
So we're going to talk about anxiety this week. I hope that this is an exciting topic for you guys to hear about. Um, I This is probably like the most requested topic I've had from listeners. Um, you guys really want to hear me talk about this so I hope that that is actually a widespread feeling and if it's not then your fault for not telling me what you want to hear about okay so for those who have never had anxiety the only way that I can describe the feelings of anxiety is like a hurricane or a storm in your head and your body is the aftermath of that storm. So what I mean by that is your mind is an absolute mess. It's spiraling. Thoughts are out of control. You are jumping from one thought to the next. Like so many negative thoughts. Um, you're thinking a million miles per minute. And... As a result of that anxiety, your body shuts down. At least in my case, that's how it was. I guess before I continue on, I should mention a trigger warning. <laughs> that wasn't okay. Trigger warnings aren't funny, but it, I just like the way I like saying that. I knew I was heading to a place I shouldn't head, and then it was too late. Because I shouldn't sing about trigger warnings because trigger warnings are serious. Trigger warning. Okay, sorry. Serious. Serious. Trigger warning. There's a trigger warning for this episode um, for anxiety disorder, mental health disorders. Um, Yeah. Any mental health issues, just a trigger warning on that. But with that being said, I'm not going to. Yeah, just there's a trigger warning. Okay. Take that as you will. So my anxiety is something I've dealt with since I was extremely young. I believe the first time I had a, I can recall having feelings of intense anxiety was three years old. I know that three or four years, yeah, three years old, because I can remember the exact moment. I'm not going to go into detail about that moment because it is still one of my most like astounding childhood memories and one that I have not dealt with on my own. So I don't really love to come onto the podcast and talk about something that I'm not um, healed on myself. But the first moment I had um, feelings of intense anxiety was three years old. I can remember it very clearly. And it was something that I dealt with my whole life. But when I was three, three, four, or five years old, I didn't really understand what anxiety was because it's not something you talk about with your toddler child. Feelings of anxiety. How is a toddler supposed to understand what is going on? Um, So when I was young, I would think that it was, I was sick. I would think that I like had the flu or I was sick. That's what I thought my feelings of anxiety were. I thought I was scared, met with being sick. And I guess that's really what anxiety feels like to me is being scared, met with feeling sick. Um, 
So yeah, every time I would have to go to my dad's house, I would feel the sickness come on. And it didn't really make any sense because I was ever, it doesn't make any sense physiologically that you would just feel sick every time that you would have to go to a person's house. So obviously those were feelings of anxiety. On top of feeling anxious about having to go see my father, I would have these immense feelings of guilt because at the end of the day, it was still my dad and I didn't want him to be upset for me not feeling well enough to go over to his house. And on top of that, I had guilt for, um, I just felt like it was my duty as an older sister to be there with my brother every weekend because my brother is a little bit of a, he, he def, he's a bit of a rebel. He like um, walks to the beat of his own drum and my dad is also the same way. So I was kind of always the mediator in between those two because they both could be quite um, impulsive in their decisions. And sometimes that match was really not good. So um, yeah, that anxiety was intense. I've mentioned on the podcast before when I turned 11, I, that is when my relationship with my father started to really distance. He kind of started to not be a present figure in my life. And for two years after that, I was dealing with the emotions. I didn't realize what it was that I was depressed about. I didn't even realize I was depressed But my mom started saying to me, like, you don't do anything. You just kind of stay in bed all day. Your mood is low. You have no excitement. You're not that same, like, chipper girl you used to be. And this was at 13 years old. And I didn't even really realize I was depressed. But um, my mom kind of was like, but I was crying all the time. I was crying all the time about nothing. I had no idea what I was crying about, but I was crying every night. I would cry myself to sleep when I was 13 years old. And so my mom kind of noticed this shift in my mood and who I was. And I've always been a very social person. And once I stop being social, that's when I think my mom knows that when I stop being social and when I stop eating, that's when my mom knows like she's not in a good mental place. Sorry. I'm just trying to, I haven't actually had any problems talking about anything, um, emotional on the podcast yet, but for some reason, um, talking about my anxiety is really difficult for me. Um, I just gathered myself for a sec. So when I, when I turned 13, my mom took me to the doctor and she, they put me on antidepressants at 13 years old. They put me on antidepressants that were meant for adults because it wasn't very common. A 13 year old would be put on antidepressants. And I still believe to this day, I shouldn't have been put on antidepressants, but that wasn't, that was there was no one to blame for that except for my doctor prescribing me something without um, trying other things first. 
because those antidepressants I was on, they, um, they helped in the short term, but in the long term, I think they really messed with my head. And at first I was taking a very low dosage and that was helpful, but they kept upping and upping and upping my dosage. And eventually it hit a point where I was 13 years old and I just felt numb. Um, I didn't feel feelings of sadness anymore. I just felt feeling, I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel happiness. I didn't feel sadness. I just was kind of a corpse walking on this earth. Um, yeah, so I was on those antidepressants for about two years probably. And then I decided um, this is like, I, I don't, I realized that they weren't necessarily helping me in the way they did at first. So I decided to go off them to slowly wean myself off them. And I felt amazing after, after I got off these antidepressants, I was being social again. I was seeing friends again. I was spending a lot of time outdoors, which may come as a shock to people, but I actually am a very outdoorsy girl. Um, I don't look it, but I love hiking, swimming, anything outdoors. It's where I feel the most at home, the most calm, the most connected with myself, the most connected with the earth, um, where I think that my perspective is the most clear is when I'm in nature. But that didn't mean the end of like my mental health journey. Um, I think that I dealt with my depression. Um, but after I dealt with that depression, something else came after. So then I kind of started to tune into what was anxiety more. I was good for a really long time, didn't feel anxious, didn't feel depressed from the ages of like 15 to 17, I was, those are still some of my fondest memories those years. I can't explain why. Um, I, okay, I think in that period of time, I was just ignoring all of the trauma I had to deal with and that worked for me then, but it caught up with me eventually. So, it's just now in my life that I'm actually getting a grasp on how to deal with my anxiety. Um, I will not lie. I know I still need to go and do some serious therapy because all of the self-work I've done has been um, on my own. And I don't think that there are some things I've been through that I know that I can't explore on my own or deal with on my own. Um, some just really dark rooted issues that I can't rely on myself for, but I kind of want to talk about like how difficult it can be to start therapy. Like people always just say like, Oh, see a therapist. Oh, go see a counselor. And I'm here to be the person to say, I see you. And I know it's not as easy as it may seem to just go see a therapist. Um, for one, I know it's expensive. A lot of people can afford it. Um, here in Canada, a lot of the time you do get it covered by your employer, but you still have to front that money. 
and then you get it recompensated, which is all like obviously not an option all the time. For a second reason, um, I think it can be very hard to find a counselor that works for you just because someone has a license, just because someone is a licensed therapist does not mean that you feel comfortable opening up to them about all of your deepest, darkest secrets. So for me, I know in a therapist, I need someone that is going to, after each appointment, say, okay, like this is when we're going to do the next appointment, because if they're not um, showing interest in my issues, even though I know that they're a therapist and it's their job and I'm paying them to listen to me, I don't want to feel like I am hindering someone by coming to them with my issues. So I know it doesn't really make sense, but it's just how it works in my brain. So I need a therapist that is going to check up with me and, um, say, this is when we're going to do our next appointment, write it in your calendar. See you then. I don't want someone that's going to be like, okay, well email me if you want to book another appointment, because I'm not going to book that second appointment. It's just not going to happen. So I think it's important to realize what you need in a counselor. Um, Okay, now I kind of want to talk a little bit about just the physical symptoms that come with anxiety. So for me, or just like the symptoms in general, I can't speak, again, I can't speak on anyone else's experience but my own. But for me, my most major symptom um, for anxiety was puking and a loss of appetite. So whenever I would, this is, it's been this way since I was a very young girl. Um, whenever I get anxious, it, I, I want to throw up. I feel like I feel actually physically nauseous. Um, and there is just no way in hell I can get food down my throat. Like I will put food in my mouth and I'll just chew and chew and chew and chew and chew. And I just can't swallow because I feel so physically ill. And for people who haven't experienced anxiety, this can be very confusing for them to watch, to see a friend or a family member not eat or have an inability to eat is perplexing. I remember like, my grandmother, she was born right after the war in England. And she, so she has this mindset that, um, you eat what's on your plate and you finish it, which I know is something that many people feel. And I do understand it because I hate to be wasteful, but there's been times where people, she has been, or people in general have just been like, oh, like, aren't you going to eat? Why aren't you eating? And when people question why you're not eating, it makes it so much worse. Um, on top of this inability to eat, there is a lack of ability to function. So your body, because if, imagine if you had the flu and you're puking all the time, how are you supposed to go to work if you're puking constantly? It's the same if you're puking because of anxiety. How are you supposed to move your body and get to work if you are just constantly physically ill? Um, Your heart starts racing. There's uncontrollable thoughts. There's like a spiral in your head. Um, I don't know if people understand what I mean when there's 
just a spiral going on, but it would just mean that there's a million thoughts. You can't control your thoughts. It's hard to calm them down. Um, and they just, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse and worse until you hit a breaking point, which can mean, for me, it means crying. For other people, it could mean anger. It could mean, um, I don't know. I don't, I, I would love to hear other people's experiences because these are just the physical symptoms I've had. So if you do want to talk about your anxiety disorder um, on that kind of level, I would love to hear your guys' thoughts. Um, in, okay, so after, I'm going to rewind to not the summer that just happened, but the summer before. That is when I experienced my lowest of lows in terms of anxiety. It was at that same time that I was living with um, that boyfriend. I've mentioned him before. I guess it's time for me to give him a name. I wasn't planning to, but he is my most significant ex-boyfriend. He was my first love um, for sure. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what his name should be. Fuck, let me think, let me think. Okay, no, I need to brainstorm. I need to, I need to put some actual thought into that. Um, but yeah, so I was living with my boyfriend. I had gotten hit by the car. I wasn't working. I had no friends in the town I was living in. This is all not new news if you've listened to the podcast before. Um, but another aspect I hadn't talked about was my mom was getting a divorce from my um my stepdad, who I have also not really talked about on the podcast before. He is just not really a media person. He doesn't like for me to really, he doesn't like his shit put out there on the internet, but um, I'm not going to like go into depth about their divorce or anything like that. But this man, my mom's ex-husband, he was my father figure. When my dad wasn't there, he was around from the time I was four up until the time I was 18. And even now we, I still go there. He's still Also, another character in my life that I don't talk about. My youngest brother, who's 12 years old, it's his father. Um, So I go there every week and I visit with him and we have dinner and I spend the night there. It is, he is my father, essentially. He's been my father figure for me. Not biologically, but he's been the one that's taken on that role for me my whole life. Um... Why was I bringing that up? Oh, yeah, because they were getting divorced that summer, that same summer. So um, that point in my life, so I was already having these really, really bad, I was in a really bad place in my relationship all, as well. And um, I was on the verge of a breakup with my ex. Um, and so my anxiety was just unbearable absolutely unbearable. Um, I lost 40 pounds at that point in my life. I was basically slowly wasting away. Um, and it was worrisome for everyone around me. Everyone saw like, oh, like how skinny I was getting. And my mom especially was very, very worried when I started to lose that immense amount of weight and the tough part about it was that everyone around me kept telling me how amazing I looked 
everyone was like, wow, this is the best you've ever looked. You look amazing. I was getting like more attention from men. Um, and so that was not good for my body dysmorphia because when I was the most stressed and the most ill and sick, and that's why I was skinny, was when I was getting the most praised on how I looked. So that was not good for me on top of that. But at the same time, like even now, like I still, it's kind of strange to open up about, but I still miss how I looked in that time, but I don't miss how I felt, if that makes sense. And I hope that that doesn't make anyone, I really hope that doesn't trigger anyone because um, I know that that could be a common sentiment felt among people. And I know that that behavior is not healthy, but I'm not here to preach how healthy of a person I am. That's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to do the opposite. I'm here to show how messy I am. (laughs) Um, So at that point in time, I was unable to get out of bed. I couldn't calm down enough to even call a friend. I couldn't calm down enough to even leave my room and speak with my roommates at the time. Um, Because, well, okay, sorry. I want to give this a good timeline. So I... This immense anxiety started before I left for Europe, kind of when I was living with that boyfriend and then disappeared while I was in Europe because I was just like traveling Europe. So like, how can you be that upset when you're traveling Europe? And then when I came back to university is when that anxiety really caught back up with me again. So I wasn't able to get out of bed Yeah, like I said, I couldn't even calm down enough to call a friend. I was puking, gagging all the time, crying all the time. My work was just going undone because I was so stressed out. And I just hit my breaking point. I had hit, I've hit a lot of breaking points, but this was the one where I was like, okay, like the, um, anxiety just got so unbearable like I was like okay it's at a point now that nothing in my life else in my life matters because if I don't deal with this I'm might as well just not be alive I know that sounds really sad but like I was at a point that um my body wasn't even functioning my mind wasn't even functioning I was just basically a body (laughs) and stressed (laughs) so Um, I came to a point where I had no choice but to fucking deal with this shit. One sec. So I was like, all right, it's time for me to get my life together, get myself together. I don't want to live like this anymore. I started like looking at myself and I when I spoke, when I thought about that time in my life between 15 and 17, where I was the most happy, I realized that that was the period in my life that I cared so much about the world around me. I wanted to make a difference in people's lives. I cared so much about my friendships. I cared so much about my goals. I cared so much about my passions. 
And all of those feelings about the things that mattered most to me had just disappeared. I didn't care anymore. I just was waking up and was doing the bare minimum to stay alive. So I was like, okay, let's get this under control. I was like, I have to put my life on pause for a little while. I was living on an island in British Columbia in Canada where I live and living with roommates. And I was like, okay, like I need to go home for a little while. Like, you know, when things are bad, you just need your mom sometimes. So I was like, I need to come home, hang out with my mom, see my dog, see my brothers, see my childhood friends, the people that I know will lift me back up in this terrible place I'm in. So yeah, like I said, I put my life on pause. Um, I was like, okay, I'm coming home for a little bit to put, I guess like a, put a game plan into action is what I want to say. I spent a couple days of just feeling through this anxiety at home, just like being in my pajamas throwing up if I needed to, crying if I needed to, freaking the fuck out if I needed to, shaking uncontrollably if I needed to, feeling through that. And then I needed to start getting things back on track. So I went to a doctor, started talking to my doctor about like, what are my options here? Like, what should I be doing to make this anxiety um, more manageable because I can't live my life like this. And he recommends going to see a psychiatrist, which I have mentioned I have not done, which is not good. Um, one thing I've mentioned this before that really helped me was journaling. Um, like I said, I sometimes use prompts. I sometimes just free journal, but I journal every day. It's just important to get your thoughts out of your head in somewhere else. So if journaling isn't something that interests you, I would recommend maybe talking to yourself through voice notes or videotaping yourself, um, talking to yourself, but just, or like calling a friend who you know, or your mom who um, is willing to listen to those thoughts. But I do think it is important to not always rely on other people to respond to your thoughts I think it's important to just feel your feelings out alone sometimes um like I said exercising is important I think exercising for me is something that I go to when I start to feel stressed or angry more than anxious I think but um a good tool nonetheless um for me listening to podcasts was actually massive it was um, I would listen to a self-help podcast before I got out of bed every single day because I just needed to hear some motivating words before I could even like get myself ready for the day. That's how numb I was feeling. I just needed some sort of words of encouragement and I would do breathing exercises. I listened to them because I would just wake up with this tight feeling in my chest every single day. Um, reading spending time with people who made me feel good was important. Um, not people who I have connections 
with that we gossip a lot and all that not that those relationships are bad but when I'm going through such a tough time I just did not have the energy to take anyone else's drama or gossip on um so for me this meant being with like my childhood friends and um honestly my guy friends a lot my guy friends are very close to me and um with being with guys it was kind of easier to not talk so much about dramatic things um but just things we enjoyed and that remind me what I liked I want to have a whole other episode where I talk about girls and guy friends because I am on the opposite I feel like it's a trend lately to make fun of girls that hang out with guys and call them pick me girls and all that. But um, I am on the opposite end of that. I think it is important to have a balance of both. I will get into that into another episode, but just a side note. Um, But yeah, it's really just about finding the right cocktail of self-care for you. I know sometimes it feels like it's an impossible task to, um, it's an impossible task to deal with your anxiety and like that, like there's no end to the anxiety, I guess. Um, that even if you were to do the work, that it's no guarantee that you would get to the end of all this that you would come out on the other side and it's scary to dive deep into things that upset you deeply because again it feels like there's no guarantee that you're going to come out on the other side but I think it's important to remember that if you struggle with anxiety it's only going to get worse if you don't deal with it now um I know it may feel manageable-ish right now, but I am here to be the bearer of bad news and tell you life is going to hand you tougher things than what it has handed you already. Um, there is still a lot of life to be lived for people in their 20s and 30s um, who are mostly my kind of listener age group but um life will hand you harder things so it is really important to figure out how to cope with hardships and anxiety before it gets to a point that it's unbearable if I could go back in time I wish I had made time for my mental health before it got to a point that I was dealing with external stress as well as this feeling of anxiety that was always present within me because that's when the breaking point came um but I'm also here to tell you that coping with your anxiety is very 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 possible um and finding the tools to come out on the other side is very possible um I'm finally in a place that I can cope with my anxiety. And that doesn't mean that I don't get anxious anymore. I do get anxious still a lot. Not a lot, actually, because that would mean I'm not coping. But um, I do get anxious sometimes. 
when, especially when um, anxiety-inducing situations arise, which is natural, it's normal. Anxiety is there to protect you from the things that can hurt you in life. So it's not always a bad thing, but when it starts to override and overtake your life and you start getting anxious about things that don't necessarily aren't necessarily going to harm you, that's when the problem arises. So I'm here to tell you you need to do the work. I know you hear it all the time, but you need to take time consistently. It's not do the work for a month or two and then everything will be good. It means taking time every day or majority of the week, majority days of the week to take care of yourself, to do the things that you know make you feel better. Not the things, I know sometimes you don't want to do those things, but I bet you can think of the thing right now that makes you feel better every time you do it. Like for me, after a workout, sometimes you don't want to work out, but afterwards you feel so much better. And sometimes you don't feel like attending to social commitments. But afterwards, you feel so much better. And those are the things you need to hold yourself accountable to do. And you also need to hold yourself accountable for, like, to not do things that don't benefit you. If there's someone in your life, you know, drains you, it's important that you don't, um, that you learn to say no. And I promise saying no to things you don't want to do will get a lot easier the more you do it and just think like if a friend bails on you we've all been bailed on it's natural it's normal it happens things arise if a friend bails on you an hour before a commitment because they like you know if you're gonna bail you kind of know you know like um make sure that you're bailing on the commitment this is I'm literally going so off track here (laughs) But I might as well finish my point now. Um, If you're going to bail on a friend, do it in advance because that is much more respectable. Also, don't lie. If If you can just say to someone, hey, I'm just not having a good day mentally and attending to this is going to make things a lot harder for me. Like, I love you. I would love to reschedule, but today is just not my day. I need a day for me. People are going to respect that so much more than you lying about why you can't make a social commitment and wait until the last hour to um, to do so, you know? Obviously, like, times arise where you have, you, like, if you have, like, a last-minute panic attack or something like that where you just, like, can't be. All right, sorry. Oh, God. Okay, that's the final time I'm going to get distracted because now my mom is actually home. And that was the entrance I was waiting this whole time for because it always distracts me because she loves to chat. Now she knows I'm recording, so she'll leave me alone. Um, That was kind of the end of the rant I had on anxiety. Um, I hope that me sharing those thoughts and my experiences were helpful. 
Um, I hope it wasn't just stuff you've heard before. I hope it was comforting. Um, I feel like anxiety is something that as a society, we are now talking so much more about than we used to. Um, And honestly, like all my friends deal with it. Not all, but I would say almost all of them deal, have dealt with um, a point in their life where they're dealing with immense anxiety. So hopefully this advice was helpful. Um, Now that we've gotten that serious shit out of the way. That's so funny. When I started singing, oh, there's professional. Okay. So I just like sang into the Zoom and it popped up. Then it was like with a little thing and it was like playing music. Set up professional audio in audio settings, which why have I not been using professional audio? First of all, because I'm a rookie, that's why. And second of all, I'm going to take that as a massive compliment. Oh, my God, my dog. You guys have no idea how excited I will be the day I record this podcast somewhere else other than my childhood home. But anyways, I will take that notification as a compliment on my singing abilities. Okay, my families are musicians, but they did not birth one. (laughs) I can't sing. I'm creative, I'm artistic, but I cannot sing for the fucking life of me. All right, so on to our last segment. Our last segment, yeah. Um, It is time for... Mess mail, yeah. Um, I cannot wait for the day that I have actual audio producers. This is just me manifesting. Who knows if it will actually happen, but, you know, it's just me manifesting. Um, that someone will be able to make an audio for my mess mail, for my journal jumbles, for my mess segment that are just, like, cool, dope, little short music intro clips, you know? Um, okay, let's get into it. (laughs) I sounded like a real life podcaster there. You guys are definitely going to be able to tell I'm high because I'm acting like a fucking loser in this episode. It's also just weird looking at myself. Like I've never looked at myself record and now I'm doing it. It's fucking weird. Um, okay. First question. Let's go. It says, What is the hardest part of starting a podcast with no experience? Okay. I love this question. The hardest part for me of starting this podcast with no experience was not learning how to use the audio, was not learning how to use video, was not learning how to do this, do that, do that. Um, It was, which was hard. Like I'm not very good with technology naturally. So um, it was hard. But the hardest part for me was 
being vulnerable and putting myself on the table for something that really just like could come back and bite me in the ass. It could either bite me in the ass royally or it could take off and be the best decision I ever made. And there is no guarantee on that. Um, the hardest part has been like t- being vulnerable about, vulnerable about like my family relationships, which, um, yeah, which is hard. Like, obviously, if my dad hears this, it's not going to end well for me, which I'm pretty sure he hasn't. But still, um, and being vulnerable just about everything. Like, I've gotten harassing texts from my exes about stuff I've like said on the podcast and stuff like that so just talking about the hard things in my life um and hoping that it doesn't just like fuck me because if at the end of the day like this podcast um actually I don't know I don't know how I'm going to feel about what I've decided to do in this podcast in the future because I'm living in the present, obviously, but, um, it is quite frightening to put all of your, like, deepest, darkest secrets and dirty laundry out there for the, in the open, so I think the hardest part has been, um, just putting, being honest, being real, being myself, being vulnerable on a public platform, because, um, there's a chance it will only just hurt me and not be rewarding in the end. I'm sorry if that was not like a answer that's encouraging for other podcasters, but at the same time, it also has been um, very rewarding at the same time. I have gotten so much love from you guys listening and um, that in itself has made it really, really worth it because if at the end of the day, I've even kind of helped one person think about how they're living their life a little bit differently, that's enough for me. I know that sounds so cliche, but that really is all I aspire to do on this earth is make the life of someone else a little bit more livable, I guess. Um, all right. These next two questions are more fun. So if you're like, this episode has been way too depressing for me and I need some fun. Here, here it is. Here it is. I will never, ever have an episode of just fucking me talking sad, serious shit because I know that's not what you guys always want to hear. You come here for the mixture. You come here for the balance of depressing and for the balance of fun and the balance of sexiness. Yeah, I know. I know. All right. So, um... Question number two, listener question number dose is how do you introduce a threesome into your relationship? Just to preface, my response to this question is going to be bias because I've had a awful experience of trying to introduce a threesome into your relationship. But first of all, a conversation, a serious, serious conversation needs to be had. So make sure to have a sit down conversation about if you are both prepared for 
the hardships that might come with having a threesome and also what your limitations are as a couple in terms of doing this. Um, as for going about finding different, as for going about finding someone to do this with, I would say, um, there are lots of apps you can find if you just Google apps for threesomes, um, I know like Tinder and all that is a popular way and I think that's a the best way to go about it. Um, I think it's important you make it clear in your bio what you are looking for because then you're not wasting anyone's time because there are people out there that are looking to be a third or a unicorn or whatever you want to call it. I know there is this website called FetLife, I believe, or something like that. And you can find all sorts of people looking to do kinky things. Um, I have no idea the format or what it's about, but I've heard about it. Um, I think the last piece of advice I would give is to make sure you are making the third person in this the third person in this encounter feel comfortable. Um, yes, they may be looking to have fun with you, but it's still an intimidating situation. So I would say get to know them on a personal level a bit. Like what do they like? What are their interests? Um, and then you can let them know that it's not just going to be you come over, do this, you know, like you just don't want to end up in a bad situation, you know? So it's important to let that third party know that you are like, Hey, like we can be cool. Like we can like chill and have drinks before we can go grab dinner or whatever. Um, it doesn't have to be just like you come into my house. We all have sex. You leave. We never hear from you again. It's not that people want a connection with you as a couple. It's more just like you want to feel as though, you are not in an unsafe situation. And if someone gets to know you better, then I think that that is definitely the best way about going to go about finding a third party. I hope that makes sense. I hope the way I articulated that made any sense at all, because as I was saying it, I was like, what the fuck am I talking about? But um, in my opinion, that's how I would go about it. But also, I don't necessarily think it's a good idea if both parties aren't fully, 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 fully invested in this kind of relationship because I know how badly it can end and how messy it can be. So really, really think about if this is going to be okay with you because if it's not or if you have any doubts in your mind, I can promise you there's a good chance that doing this will be the end of your relationship. So think about it first really really think about it is my only advice um okay last question before we wrap up okay I'm really excited to answer this question I've been waiting all week I've been thinking about this so much because I really want to give the men out there some good advice on this the question is do women even ever want to see dick pics (laughs) 
I love this question. I thought it was a wholesome question, a sexually wholesome question. My answer, it may not be the answer for all females, but my answer is yes. We do want to see dick pics, but I am going to give you a very specific circumstance where we want to see them. Otherwise, outside of the circumstance, we probably don't want to see them. Okay, so please, I beg of you, if we have never met, do not send me a dick pic. It's gross. It's weird. It's gross. I have no connection to you. Please don't send me a dick pic. Another time you you men think that you should send a dick pic that you absolutely should not is out of nowhere. It's not the same for us girls. I know you guys love like the surprise nude out of nowhere. For us girls, we don't feel that way. We don't get aroused by you just sending a picture of your dick. It doesn't work that way for us. You, the only time I am going to say that girls really actually love getting dick pics is if you have been sexting before and you work your way up to the dick pic. So you need to go about this so smooth because it is such a sensitive topic. I'm sorry, but it is. So how this goes is you need to slowly work your way up. You need to be talking about like foreplay, like what are you guys going to do in foreplay? You need to tell her how sexy she is, all that stuff. You, I, I will do a whole other episode on how to sex if you guys want, but you need to like it with sex, you know? Like if you're having sex, you're not just going to ram it in. So you want to slowly work your way up. All right, you started off slow. You started off with the foreplay. You start talking about how hot she is. And then you talk about how you're going to like slowly, I don't know, whatever your move is, get her horny with your words, not with your photos. That's the most important part. Once you guys have reached the point that you guys are talking about having sex, where it's getting like really, 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 really hot and heavy, that is when you can hit her with the dick pic. And that is the only time you can hit her with a dick pic. If it is not at that time, do not send it. I will say that one more time. Unless she is like so, so, so heated and like telling you she's touching herself. That is the only time you send a dick pic. Other than that, you do not send one. Or if she's your girlfriend, then you can do whatever you want, like send it whenever you want. But if you are not in a relationship with this girl, only send it when she is like super heated. Other than that, we don't want to see them. For us, if you send us a dick pic when we are not in the mood, it is such a turn off because like we could just be like at work, like doing some work and then all of a sudden like dick. Like if you just like, I'm just like, oh, checking my phone and it's like, bam penis like that doesn't like I'm not it's not the same like girls aren't just like oh my gosh like his penis like I'm so horny now I'm so wet now like that's not what happens um we need to be worked into it we need to be worked up we need to words work way better than photos for us I know it's the opposite for men but like words are everything here And um, that's about all I have to say about that, to be honest. 
Um, I hope that you all enjoyed this episode. I feel like I'm really starting to get the swing of things, like that I'm more comfortable in front of a microphone. Um, that is not to say I think that this is my best episode. That is not how I feel. But it's part of the journey, you know? Part of the journey is the stepping stones along the way. So I hope at least this episode entertained you and you learned something from it one single bit. I don't know. I sound like a... I was going to say I sound like the man that uh, does, like, the auction stuff, like, uh, $10 over there, uh, $15. Okay, uh, we got $15. Do we got 20 Do we got 20 That kind of guy. Um but you can follow me on my Instagram at Carissa Harrison or me, my best podcast. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, my Instagram is at Carissa Harrison or at me, my best podcast. If you want to follow it, my Twitter is Carissa M Laura or me, my best pod on Twitter. Um, my TikTok is Carissa H 99, but I'm not as active on there as I am on Instagram and Twitter. Um, thank you for listening. Your support and appreciation means the world. I hope that you are dealing with your anxiety, that you were making time for yourself. Um, I hope you were subscribing to my podcast. I hope you are rating my podcast. Um, thank you so, so much for listening. It means the world to me that you guys sit here and listen to me ramble on each week. So thank you. I love you all. And stay messy as fuck. (laughs) Bye, guys. Eat my mess.